incarnate God. It's, that literally means that God became flesh. He came and dwelled amongst us. That means that he moved, one translator translated as he moved into our neighbourhood. Um, and then it sings, we sang about Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. So Christmas is all about God coming as a baby. He could have appeared as a grown man, but he chose to come as a baby and experience everything that we experience. Now that's as incredible as that is, the thing about this passage is it that makes it so much about Christmas because it's great that we say, oh, you know, God became human and that's really good. But this passage explains to us the reason Jesus became one of us. And that is the most important thing we need to know because it's one thing that God would come, but the reason that he came is the most important thing. And in the passage, he declares so clearly that I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, as I said, we've been talking about this idea of abundant life. What does it mean? In our um, explanation, we explain it as an excessively superior life. That's how it can be translated. It's now when we, what I mean by that is, it's better than the life we are experiencing before Christ. You see, we talked about it a bit like this. You remember that the difference between the life that Jesus gives us to compared to the life without Jesus is like comparing artificial lawn to real lawn. Artificial lawn is a poor substitute for real lawn and that's no slight on anyone who has artificial lawn totally understand your reasons that you might have it but the reality is that it's a poor substitute for the real thing and this is what Jesus is telling us is that he wants to give us real life an excessively superior life to anything we have experienced beforehand and that he is the doorway to this real life now if you know the story the story goes that at the beginning of time God created mankind and he created everything and at that time we, we learned that once he had set up everything, that man, he left mankind and he, he said, you can do anything you want except don't eat of this tree. And the story goes that the robber, the tempter came, the spirit of this world came and, and said to them, you know, God's hiding something from you. He's keeping something away from you. So if you and he doesn't want you to eat of that tree because if you do, he's, he knows that you'll become like him. And so this... Robber convinced the God's first creation to eat of the tree. And they soon discovered that they were lied to because in their disobedience, everything changed. The, the story goes that death came into the world, pain came into the world. All these things that Jesus describes when he said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, that's what happened when sin came into the world. And so... The, the simple thing is that what has happened is that mankind has chosen to be God of their own lives, has chosen to take control of their own lives and lives and, and turn their back on God and say, I'm going to do life the way I want to do it. I'm not going to include God in it. And that's what happens. And we've seen the results of that throughout the years. We've seen it in our world today. And so Jesus says, that's what happened 
The robber came and still killed and destroyed, but I have come to give you life. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what that life looks like. And one of the things that, that Jesus gives us is rest over striving. That in that idea is that when, when sin entered the world and we were striving to be God of our own lives, what happens is we strive. We, we, we're working hard. We're trying to make something of ourselves. And, and when Jesus came, he said these powerful Lord words. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. All you guys who are tired of striving and, and working hard, come to me and I will give you rest. And that's what this abundant life that Jesus comes to give us is rest where we don't have to strive to be in control anymore, but rather we can trust God with our lives. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's something that I'm, I'm eager to have. The second thing that we talked about is that he also in this abundant life, this excessively superior life, he gives us position over performance. What that simply means is that when you say, yes, Jesus, I want that abundant life. I want life with you. I want to enter through that doorway into the life you promise. That he says, we are then brought into his family. It literally says in the Bible that we are adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. Remember, we talked about Ephesians chapter 1. And, and we read that and we understand that we are now part of God's family. How exciting is that? And the exciting thing about being a part of God's family is we don't have to perform anymore to gain our value. We don't have to use our performance and the way we do things to say, look at me, I'm so good, I'm so valuable, I'm so important. Our value now comes from the fact of who we belong to, the family that we are a part of. And the Bible tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. So these are the, the great things that this abundant life, this excessively superior life gives us. It gives us rest and it gives us position. But as I've been thinking about it, the, the question came into my mind is, well, these are really nice things, but they're fairly passive. They're like, we rest, okay. Just, you know, when you just sit in a chair and you go, ah, that's what God wants us to be able to do, just rest. Or when we know that, who we are and we are confident in who we are that's that's great but the question that came into my mind was well what on earth do I exist for then what is the purpose of my life what is this all about like what what am I meant to actually do with my life then and so today I want to share with you the the last thing that I believe that Jesus gives us when it comes to abundant life and the answer, I feel, is found in one of the temptations Jesus experienced in the Bible. And it's in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. Now, this story is about when Jesus is about to go into his ministry. He's a grown man and he's led into the wilderness and he gets tempted by the spirit of this world, the enemy. And the enemy tempts him in three things that we've talked about. And the last one is, is this one where it says the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you, the, give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. 
And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Isn't it interesting that um, in the garden, in Adam and Eve were tempted by this same enemy. And now Jesus, some, so many years later, is tempted in the same way. But the incredible thing is Jesus doesn't succumb. He doesn't, he's not defeated by it. He actually is able to stand against it. Why? Because he contains abundant life. He has abundant life in him. He has this excessively superior life. So he knows that he, he wants to, the answer to this question. So when the enemy said, if you would just worship me, Jesus knows that it's just a lie. That what the enemy is offering him is a lie because he knows that God has created us for one purpose in mind and that purpose is to worship and serve him only. And so the final thing we get when we have this excessively superior life is purpose over what I call prestige. Jesus knows that every one of us here were created with one purpose in mind. Every one of us were created to worship. And we all worship something or someone. That's the reality of it. Now when I'm talking about worship for the church people, you, you, we often talk about worship as singing songs to God, but this is much bigger than that. I'm not talking about singing songs. I'm talking about a way that you live your life. See, worship is a behavior or a way of living life that shows others what matters to you most. I'll give you an example of this. You all know that I'm a Crow supporter here in the middle of Port Adelaide, which is a crazy thing. But imagine I bumped into someone in Port Adelaide and they had a Crow's top on. And I thought, oh, a friend. I've got a friend somewhere at last, a friend in the midst of enemies. And, uh, and so we made friends and he said, oh, come back to my house. I'd love you to come back to my house. And, I, and have a meal with me. And so I walk into his house and I walk up to it and it's painted, you know, blue, gold and red. I thought, oh, that's a bit over the top. And then I walk inside the house and all over the walls, there's just crow's paraphernalia. There's, you know, a life-size cutout of Mark Rusciuto, you know, in his playing days or something. And on the other side, there's Andrew McLeod and uh, whatever. And everywhere it's just red, red, white and blue. I was going to say red, gold and blue. And it's like, wow, this guy is a serious Crow supporter. Well, I, I could probably say that he's, he actually is more than just a supporter. He's a worshipper of the Crows. Because everything about his life shows me that the Crows matter to him most. And now I might talk to him and he might tell me his schedule is, <clears throat> um, you know, today I was in Port Adelaide because I just caught the bus, bus from West Lakes because I watched the boys practice and tomorrow I'm going to head down to the the crow shop and buy some more paraphernalia and then on Wednesday the boys practice again so I'll be out there and then I've got my season ticket and I'll be there at the game and his life revolves around the crows that's what worship is and the reality is we all worship something it might not be a football team but it may be other things we all because within us is this in, innate drive to worship something. And, and the interesting thing and, and what is alluded to in the passage I read is the thing that demands 
our attention or the thing that we give our attention to can also become the thing that we are known for. Think about that for a moment. So if, I, if I'm a, um, like a, a financier or a businessman and uh, I give all my attention to making money and building my business, then it makes sense that people get to know me as the owner of that business or that person is very wealthy because they've worked hard to make money and run that business. And, it's, and they've, look at what they've done. Isn't that amazing? The, the incredible thing. So the thing that we put our attention to can also become the thing that we are known for. And here's the, here's the trap. When we become known for something, we can easily be seduced by the prestige that brings to us. Does that make sense? Because when we find out that, hey, we're being successful, people are acknowledging me, people are noticing what I'm doing and they're putting me up on a pedestal or they're, uh, you know, they're saying all these good things about me, then we can go, well, if I do it more, it's going to bring me more success. It's going to bring me more stuff. <laughs> that's right. And that's the, the reality of the trap of prestige and what the enemy is offering Jesus is, I want to give you all the world, but he knows full well that all the world will never be enough. It will never satisfy us fully because we were never made to worship things and stuff. We were created to worship God and God alone. And sadly, I'll say this, even as churches and as Christians, we can fall into this tra same trap, into this trap of wanting to do great things and wanting to be something special and something important uh, and worship that idea of being elevated. And we can think, oh, I'm going to do great things for God. But sadly, many times we can get trapped in that and start worshipping the great things we do for God rather than actually worship God himself. And God says clearly, and Jesus states it clearly, that we were created to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now Jesus makes it clear that our purpose is to worship God. And in Romans 12, verse 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul says these powerful words that explains what this worship looks like. He says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by, the test, by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. This passage shows us that our purpose is to worship God with our lives. As he says here, that present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Our lives, the way we live our lives, our, that, that living our lives to honour God, to acknowledge that he is our Lord and that we say, God, I want to serve you and I want to live for you and I want to bring honour to your name. Now, you know I like to often use the Message Bible, the Eugene Peterson's translation, to bring more life to this 
to passages and I want to do it with this passage as well. And it says, he says it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. I'm going to come to a close now and we're going to take communion together. And I'll ask the ushers to come and pass it around and they'll pass it down the aisles. Obviously, you're, you're welcome to take it um, as, as you feel comfortable. So feel free to take it or not if you don't want to. But um, in communion, I want us to do exactly what Jesus asked us to do, to remember him. And the thing that we remember is that the abundant life that Jesus gives to us offers us purpose. That in the abundant life that are represented in the emblems, we learn and we understand that now God has given me a purpose. What is that purpose? That purpose is to worship him with my life, my everyday life. God never intended our lives to be defined by greatness in the way the world sees greatness. That might shock some of you that I'd say that, but God never intended us to be great in the way the world measures greatness and success. That we'd climb the ladder and we'd be something amazing and something special. In God's kingdom, greatness is defined by simple obedience to God. And that is exactly what Jesus' example was to us when he walked this earth. He obeyed God enough to become human like us. Think about that for a moment, the incredible thing is that by becoming a little baby, the Bible tells us that he laid down all his divine rights. He laid down all his rights as God and became human. Why? For our benefit. So that we could have life. Think about that for a moment. We live in a society these days where we have so many restrictions and so many people are complaining about, I want my rights, I deserve my rights. But Jesus' example to us was that, hey, I'm prepared to lay down my rights for the benefit of others. Isn't that powerful? That we would follow in his example and lay down our rights for the benefit of others. For, because... In reality, for all intents and purposes, if you look at Jesus' life, he did some great things. He healed the sick. He, he spoke great wise words and, and it was amazing. But at the end of the day, 
All his followers deserted him and he died a cruel cross, a cruel death on a cross. So for all intents and purposes, you'd go, well, that was pointless. What was the point of all of that? But we know that what he was doing was doing what his father asked him to do. He said those powerful words, not my will, but your will be done. And in his sacrifice, in the, and you hold those emblems in your hand of his sacrifice, you hold the, the wafer that represents his body that was broken for us. Why? So that we could have wholeness, so that we could have a way into relationship with God, so that we could find abundant life again. And in the juice you have a symbol of his blood that was shed for us. Why? For the forgiveness of our sins. That we were going our own way and now we've turned back to God and said, say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And he says, you're forgiven because of the price that Jesus paid. And so what in the world's eyes looks like failure, in God's eyes is a massive success. Because in his sacrifice that you hold in your hands, the Bible tells us that he saved the world. That he redeemed the world. And that mankind, you and I, can now have a relationship with God because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did, we can have rest. Because of what Jesus did, we can have a position in God's kingdom. And in because of what Jesus did, we now have a purpose for our lives. This is the great thing that we discover at Christmas time and are reminded of at Christmas time is that Jesus made a way for us to discover who we truly are and how we ought to truly live our lives. And so, in your hands today, we're going to. Be reminded of what Jesus has done. That he has come to give us abundant life. And that abundant life is represented in these emblems. So I'd love you to open it as you're ready. And we'll take it in just a moment. So the wafer represents his body, as I said, that was broken for us. Let's give thanks and thank him for it. And let's eat in Jesus' name and say, thank you, God, for your body that was broken for me. The juice represents his blood that was given for us for the forgiveness of sins and because of his blood we are forgiven once and for all forgiven for past sins forgiven for present sins and forgiven for future sins we are forgiven so we can come before him and say thank you God that I am forgiven let's drink in gratefulness to God Let's pray. 
Lord God, we thank you for your sacrifice. Most of all, we thank you for your obedience. And God, we know that your obedience was an act of worship to God himself. And we pray today that you would help us live our lives in worship to God. Even as we go from this place on this Christmas day and share with family and do whatever we do, help us to live a life that reflects your love and your life. Help us to be connected to you and help your love and your life flow through us and out to the world around us. Lord God, let it just be more than words. Let it be seen in our actions and our deeds. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good, isn't it? It's a good reminder to remember Christmas Day what Jesus has done for us we got one last thing to do before you can go and head off and meet with family and whatever you're welcome to hang around for a tea and coffee if you like but one more thing to do Um, I'm going to ask Jackson Bunting to come up here because Jackson's an awesome young man part of our church how are you Jackson awesome Um, we've got a little surprise for you it's Christmas time and you sort of get presents at Christmas time. And so a little birdie told me you really needed a bike. So I've got a little bike for you to help you out. That's all yours. <laughs> Courtesy of um, Don and Lorraine Holt, they, uh, they look after bikes and restore bikes and they heard that you needed one. And so it's all yours. Happy Christmas. You're not allowed to write it inside though, all right? It's called Jackson's. He's an awesome young man. And uh, yeah, he just thought we'd bless him. And someone heard he needed a bike. And so a bit of Christmas spirit. How's that? All right, stand to your feet. Feel free to say good day to someone. Wish him a Merry Christmas coffee machines on if you want to hang around but thank you for coming out this Christmas day we know you're all busy but have a great Christmas God bless